everyone, and welcome back. This is Stacy from the risk mitigation side of Leader Solutions and Decision Support. And we have Terry Peters with us again today. He's the founder and CEO of LSDS. Thank you, Terry, for being here. Thanks, Stacy. Our topic today is in the dynamic leadership series, and it is effective communication in the workplace. More specifically, we're going to be diving into a part of that that's known as collaborating with the uncollaborative. My big question leading into this, Terry, is how did this become a topic? Stacy, thanks for having me. This became a topic after a recent offsite we conducted. As part of our offsites, we often do follow-ups with anyone who's participated. In essence, we continue to work for them long after our offsites are over. And a leader sent me a, a note and said, could we have a discussion about this? So we had a great hour-long discussion on this subject alone with four incredible leaders who are responsible for a lot, but in this case, didn't have all of the authorities that they wanted to have and wanted to learn more about it. So I thought it would be a great discussion here with you since we do collaborate a lot. We are very busy in the space helping others collaborate. And I thought many times there is frustration around collaboration. So I thought it would be a great topic, especially as we're heading into the end of year where most people are really reflecting on how they work, what makes them effective, what they're being asked to do, and what's keeping them from achieving those asks. So I'm happy we're doing it. Great subject, and I'm glad you're hosting it again. Awesome. It, that is so true. We're headed into resolution season, which is also a lot of reflection time, too. So before we start talking about diving into that collaborating with the uncollaborative specifically, what are some of the best practices in collaboration in general? Stacy, it's a great question. But what I would actually like to do is give this question to you to answer, right? Here's why. You lead a lot inside the company. You've increased your leadership responsibilities consistently. We, Our company, is, as we know, and for the folks who are listening, we are almost exclusively virtual because geographically we're just spread out all over the United States and Puerto Rico. So I'd like to give you that one back. How do you collaborate effectively with these dynamic teams and what are the practices that you apply? Okay, that was well played. Well played there. So I so coming it's so coming back to me. You, you, in all fairness, you did give me some warning on this, but it's it's sort of easy to answer because what you said is so true. We're all over the place and so we have to work and collaborate virtually and I feel like we've done we've really kind of honed that skill where it feels smooth all the time with us. Probably one of the, the biggest things working as a group and a team all over the place is understanding the topic of whatever project has been put in front of us and what the desired outcome is. And this often it means reducing, whittling it down, getting rid of daunting requirements into smaller topics for collaboration it makes it much easier. Ask all the questions. I'm notorious for this because I ask a ton of questions, but boy, can it, I've learned over time, it can take a lot of unnecessary stress off your plate and really allows you to focus more efficiently and work more efficiently. A lot less backtracking, I guess, if that makes sense. Also, something we do really well too, I feel like, is ensure that all relevant people are in attendance, attendance, air quotes, right? That's making sure the team is aware of the tasks. So we will email, often we'll have like a big call 
with us some new project topic, something like that needs to happen. Um, we'll make sure everyone who needs to be is there in attendance if they can be. Sometimes our schedules are pretty different. But then we usually follow that up with an email to make sure that everyone's aware of what's going on. We'll also seek out owners, give people ownership of something that needs to be worked on, deliverables, allow them to set their own deadlines when that's practical. Sometimes things are time sensitive. We've got to get moving on it and deadlines are given to us. That's another good question to ask always. Sometimes we'll assign work or ask who wants it. And if somebody really wants to do something, that's where you really see projects grow so well. Like when someone's really enjoying what they want to do. And we're also really good at making sure we have a backup ready. So when you've let the whole team know, not that everyone's going to be working on this, it might be one or two people specifically that are doing it. But when everybody's already aware of it, because life happens, if someone has to drop out for one reason or another, we've got that backup already there and people are aware of what's going on. So they're ready to rock and roll if they need to step in. And that kind of leads into the next point for that is working from a shared platform. So like we use Google, so we've got Google Drive and that's our virtual office, if you will, because communication is so key here. We're, we're like you said, Terry, we're physically, we're all over the map and we've got different time zones, all that sort of stuff going on, but we've gotten really good at communicating effectively and efficiently. So sometimes if it's really urgent, we'll text each other. Hey, heads up, I sent you that email back. So we'll get lots of emails. So that we've got a good pattern there where if it's like, no, I don't need you to pay attention to it immediately. I'll email it. I know you'll get to it at some point. If I need you to know that it's there now, just for your awareness, if it's time sensitive, we'll text each other. It makes it much easier to work that way together. And then doing the homework prior, you've mentioned this before. I forget which podcast it was, but that was like one of the big things that made, oh, the one about making a meet, the meetings where you efficiently use your time and everybody else's time if you've done your homework prior. Same thing with projects as well. And for some of us working all together on the same project, we can do that homework together on that shared platform. So we've done that many times where our notes are all getting collected in one shared document. We can write questions to each other, tag each other and stuff, share links, everything we're finding, and really kind of develop that project across all of our schedules. It makes it really easy to get stuff done. To complete that follow-up correspondence and communication as quickly after the collaboration session as possible. So if we do a big phone call, if we do a follow-up meeting with that, with the specific team within LSTS that's going to be working on that project, we'll always, almost always do like email to everybody just to follow up on what we did. And it is huge for clarification. Sometimes we all see things from a different angle, which is awesome for collaboration. You've got all these different views. So you don't miss anything. And that follow-up really allows us to make sure that everything was captured correctly. If anything has been missed or someone had something to add to the concept afterwards, they can add, they can edit, chime in still, that sort of thing. It just makes it very clear what our timelines are. We're really good at bullet points. <laughs> I know that's like our style. <laughs> bullet points really make it clear when's our due date who's in charge of it, all that sort of stuff. If we've got other dates in there for when we want rough drafts due, want it to edit it by then, et cetera, we can put that all in there. And then at the end of all of this, it's really celebrating the hard work. I can't say this enough, but something I really love that we do here is giving credit where credit is due. It takes a ton of performance anxiety off your shoulders when you know that you're on a team 
that has your back and sees you, right? It creates this awesome cycle of doing the work, generating ideas, jumping into a project, backing each other up. And we never have to worry about someone's ego sucking the vibe out of the team. And you can feel that vibe across us being virtual. We're not in the same office, whatever, right? But it's definitely there. We've got project leads. I'm one of them. Uh, we've got others across the company, depending on what their area of expertise is. And we're often the ones that are delivering the product, like whether it's, you know, a report, all that sort of stuff to our clients. But it's not possible to do all that without the team and the, all the work that's been done behind the scenes. I wanted to use Laura as an example. She's the risk mitigation team lead, and she's done a really good job with this over time. For example, like Brittany did all the research for a document that was, I think it was being sent to you, Terry, for a review, right? But then right, you get it right. from Laura, right? And it looks like, okay, it's coming from Laura. But we're all CC'd on there. And she, you know, she said like in the email body, awesome job, Brittany, on the research for this one. So when you get like shout outs like that, and I see this across the whole team where the shout outs are being done to like, who's helping, who's, who did the work, you know, the legwork behind this one or whatever, even though us as project leads, we're the ones often doing the emailing. So you see our signature on the email, but there's a whole team behind us helping us do this work. That's what I feel like we do well with the collaboration in general. That's fantastic. I, I'm so glad I handed that to you. That's that's uh, much better than I could have said it. So it makes me it makes me happy. I want to key on a couple things. One, this concept of a shared platform. We are fans of one shared platform, and we've worked in organizations where there's multiple platforms people are working off of, just like multiple communication channels or or platforms, mm. and. I think one of the things that works so well for us is that we collaborate as a group together, but we also collaborate as one or two people away from, say, a collaboration session. And the shared documents really allow us the ability to go back, look at it, and make sure that we're moving where it needs to be. And for someone who's removed but still has some responsibilities for things that we deliver, it lets me or Hana go back to the documents and just ensure that they're still within the cones, if you will, so that we're moving in, in forward progress, but also making sure that we're not, that no scope creep has happened or we're not losing momentum. And I think that even if you're not directly on that team, it allows for this understanding of what's happening around the board. And as we have interns or new people join the team, that ongoing collaboration also lets them get back to it or, or orient to it and see just exactly what's happening with a specific place. So again, it just keeps keeps momentum going. But all of those things you say to Stacey are exactly right. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. So we covered general collaboration. And then I did. Thank you for that. <laughs> so so now <laughs> to this topic, what do you do to collaborate with the uncollaborative? Stacey, thanks. To your point above, you know, ensuring that the topic is known and the purpose of the collaboration session is understood is really task one. And when we find people don't want to collaborate, there's usually a few factors. Either the right people aren't together, relationships may be strained, there could be a lack of understanding of who is responsible to deliver what. And so there's often there's some disconnect and it's really on a relationship level, not necessarily so much the collaboration. So ensuring that you got the right people in the room is extremely important. Then also ensuring that everyone understands the value of everyone else. So Stacy's here today because this is what she delivers and this is what she's responsible for. 
Terry's here today because this is what he's responsible for and this is what he delivers. And when we find those disconnects occurring, then often people just haven't spent the time prior to the meeting to get to know the attendees or their priorities or where their strengths and value are. So I'd recommend understand what you're there for, who's on the team, but also what they bring is really very important. The other thing I would ask you to consider is just having subject matter experts deliver points of interest or framing information prior to the onset of the meeting. So in essence, if our collaboration was on identifying new R&D egress bags, for example, then we'd bring you in because you've done so much research on this, even if you weren't part of the collaboration. But if you're that person who has the most knowledge, then getting that person who is incredibly knowledgeable into the collaboration session means is that you have a ready reference and you're not wasting time. Because when people disconnect, often they're just frustrated that you know they feel like we're not hitting the right points or there's someone who's better qualified to give us information or there's additional information that's needed. So to summarize so far, know what we're here for, know who's here, know what their value is and what they bring, and then leverage expertise. Remember that the goal when collaborating is to leverage talent and knowledge to be as informed as possible to deliver the content needed. In many instances where collaboration is broken down, we'll see that collaboration has resided into the three loud voices, if you will. And so many other brilliant people in the room don't feel empowered to collaborate or feel like their opinion doesn't matter. So remember, diminishing egos and letting people just understand that everybody has value, that's why they're there, is another critical step. If you do see distracted people or attendees who are unengaged, you know, one technique that we have seen work repeatedly well is just call a break, maybe a little earlier, and just have a one-on-one to ask them what's keeping them from engaging. You may have to make some adjustments. It could be something away from work that's distracting them. It could be a personality conflict that you're not aware of. It could be a number of things. But what I don't encourage you to do is keep someone in the meeting who just isn't participating and because there's a vibe that comes off of them that really bogs down the meeting. So I think with those things, especially if you're that person who's responsible for the meeting, then you can really get a lot out of it just by ensuring that you control the meeting, not control, but set the conditions for success. That's a much better way to say that than control. Yeah, I like that. And I've seen you do this before, adjust on the fly too, to like have a break earlier. And it just beat up the whole energy in the entire room and was much more productive afterwards. It was really cool to see. So, and this is great, but what if you're not responsible for the meeting? What if you're an attendee and the others just don't want to collaborate? Great question. In fact, you know, this started from a conversation where the person who was finding some frustration with collaboration wasn't actually responsible for the meeting. So I learned a lot in the session about that call I had with respect to some of the challenges they were facing. So some of the things that contribute to this and also some best practices, there are several factors. One, a lack of understanding of what you bring to the discussion. So if I invite you to a collaboration session and you're just attending, if no one takes the time to actually say, hey, here's Stacy or Terry or anyone else, here's what they bring, you may have to apply that time away from the meeting. Now, this means you may not be very productive in your first session, but if you apply some time afterward to understand what everybody's responsibilities are and then let them know why you're in the meeting, sometimes whoever's chairing the meeting just simply forgets. 
you can also talk to that person chairing the meeting and get them to on the next session, just let everybody know who's there and what, what they're responsible for. This lack of understanding of what you bring also is compounded if you just don't know everyone, if you're new, if sometimes if you have a very strong personality and people don't understand that you just are focused or maybe intense, sometimes it's off-putting. So getting to know people around the meeting is extremely important. Step one, if you're not that person who's chairing the meeting, is get to know everyone and get to understand their strengths and share your strengths so that you can learn. In a meeting, your first collaborative session, this is going to take more time than that. It just is. So if it's not corrected by someone chairing the meeting, fixing it, you're going to have to spend some time to do that. Once you're sharing information and learning about the participants, I'd encourage you to map and learn who the influencers are. You may find it beneficial to ask those influencers. In essence, if Stacy and Terry are always together in this meeting, they leave, they have a business relationship together, odds are they influence each other, then you may want to map and understand who is influencing the meeting and how does information flow inside a collaborative session? Because we put it up on a dry erase board or we share it with a virtual, a shared document, but often there's a lot more dynamics going on than just what's recorded here. How do priorities get accepted? How does input get, you know, get codified and, and then edited in a document versus edited out? There's real understanding of the team dynamics there that you also should spend some time to understand. Understanding who they are, how they're influenced, how they connect, how feedback is given, and providing reflections to people once you get to know them are all ways to strengthen your position as you're in there collaborating. And then lastly for this one is I'd ensure that you're collaborating on topics that matter to you. If we were to say, here's a topic, Stacy, that we want you to be part of, if it just didn't resonate with you or just something you didn't want, we would want anyone to come forth and say, thanks, but no thanks. This just doesn't resonate with me. So make sure that you're involved with topics that you want to be involved in? And if not, then find whoever's chairing it and simply bow out of the meeting and just say, hey, it's just not something I'm focused on. If that's not an option, then you probably just need some some feedback time with whoever you're reporting to to give them some some perspective on what you should be attending and what you shouldn't and where your expertise can be leveraged. If you take some time with this, one, understand what we're collaborating for, use a shared platform, really get to know the people. Understanding of people is the most critical task and what they bring and how you can be benefit to the subjects you're working on. And then apply those same best practices that you talked about, even though I'm not in charge. If someone really did a fantastic job working on a document, it's okay to thank them and celebrate you know, the goodness that they provided. And you'll find that being positive, optimistic, and uplifting is really going to help the collaborative spirit and it's going to get you to achieve the goals and objectives of what you're working on much faster than managing some frustration of, hey, I didn't get asked. I'm not sure they understand my value, so I'm not going to engage anymore. You'll find that's just tough time to be sharing with others if you just don't feel like you're engaged and you don't know how to engage them. The solution rests outside the meeting with getting to know them, understanding strengths, and being able to leverage your strengths the next time you convene. Absolutely. I bet kind of going off of that too, we've talked about this before well, on a previous podcast, we're creating that safe place, that safe environment is really key to teams and being able to collaborate where you feel comfortable either saying, 
hey, this isn't my biggest interest point, someone else may step in and be like, you know, I would really love to do that or pursue that. And so it just that safe environment where you don't have to worry about perhaps stepping back from a project or a lead position if you don't enjoy it. That's not your calling, if you will. Um, Stacey, you're right. Worrying about that, you're, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, whenever I find any group of people that's not collaborating or not focused, I immediately map that back to a leader. That leader is responsible for all of the people who are there to ensure that they are the right people, understand their value, are cohesive. And then if the meeting itself just isn't productive, again, we talk about in every meeting, we say the same things. The purpose of this meeting is, here's our goals to achieve today, and here's who's in the room, right? We start every meeting the same way because we know that consistency matters. And if someone's new, we introduce them and understand what their value is. But in places where it's not structured and momentum is lost and maybe even morale is low, then I just map it back to leaders. So if you're out there and you find yourself in a meeting that isn't collaborative or working across platforms or on projects and momentum is lost, I can tell you that there's probably some feedback that needs to be given to a leader. And if you're a leader and it's happening, my recommendation would be look in the mirror and figure out exactly where you should be applying time that you're not. And I think this will get rectified over time. That makes total sense. I love it. I love it. This has been fantastic. This time really fascinating. And it's, um, I'm sure there's going to be more that comes breaking off from this as well. So I don't have any more questions on my end. Do you have anything to close out with? Stacy, thanks for hosting these. These are just a lot of fun. When they pop up on the schedule, and I call you and say, hey, what's this one? And you say, oh, remember this came up in a conversation and I want to talk about it. I love them. I think they're fantastic. At some point, we're going to have cameras and better structure on these. But I really like the free flow dialogue. And I'm grateful that you've kind of picked this up. And it just speaks volumes to all of the information that we have and our desire to get it out there for folks. So thank you for doing this. And another great topic. I can't wait to figure out what you throw at me next. So it's it's great. I appreciate the time. Yeah, I appreciate the space to be able to try this out and finding out that I kind of enjoy it, actually. So great conversation again, as usual. We'll be back with more soon. So that's the end we've got for this one here. But we'll be back shortly with another podcast, either from the risk mitigation side or diving into the Dynamic Leadership Series. You can always contact us. Look us up on our website, lsds.us. Terry, what's your contact information if anybody wants that? Pretty easy. Email is terry at lsds.us and my cell number, which is pretty busy these days, 910-922-3331. Just text. Give me some context if you're texting me and hopefully it'll work out for you. Awesome. Thank you so much again for the time and the topic here. And thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back soon. Bye now.